You know what movie series sucks? <laughs> Rambo. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about how like the whole point of that first movie is it's like an exploration of a soldier with PTSD who thinks he's like reliving his yeah. time in Vietnam and practically nobody dies that entire film. And then you see like the trailer for like the new one that just came out and he's like in the trailer just indiscriminately murdering as many non-white people as possible. Yeah. Like it's just like the most, yeah. like they lost sight of that so fast. Like, I know the first one yeah. is like this like really borderline esoteric like yeah. you know anti-action movie almost and it's just like. Like very few series like that maybe like Jurassic Park like by the second movie you're like what happened? Like, <laughs> like usually it takes a long time. Yeah. For, like, Ramp- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, also, they're like it's like John Wick, but without any of the motivation. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what? That's the whole point of John Wick. No, his daughter gets kidnapped by Mexican drug dealers. In okay, the so one. it's taken. Uh, so it's taken. <laughs> you know, yeah, with like a more racist guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's racist. I, just, I, I think, think yeah, Liam Neeson's probably more racist than Sylvester Stallone. Oh well, as a person, based on evidence. Yeah, but, but is John Rambo more racist? John Rambo is definitely yeah, more racist, racist of a character. Yeah, than uh, whatever that guy from Taken's name is. I think it's just Liam Neeson. You know, what another movie was like super. Qui Gon Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What other movie was super ill-timed, kind of like the Punisher Warzone thing, is that Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis, where it was just this, like, celebration of gun culture that came out, like, right between a bunch of other mass shootings. Nah, I don't even know what that is, yeah. No, you ever saw that original movie, the Charles Bronson one? Yeah. Yeah, they remade it a few years ago <laughs> with Bruce Willis. It looked terrible. When you are talking about Sylvester Stallone, it reminded me, there's this, you ever seen a movie Copland? No. So Copland's, like, I think it's like a late 90s movie. It's like Ray Liotta and... Sylvester Stallone, I think Robert oh, De Niro, man. and it's basically wow, about like a... <laughs> it's basically about a bunch of. Is this a gangster movie? It's a basically a bunch of crooked cops who live in Jersey, like outside of New York, that's a, yeah, and they live in like that. this town, and they're kind of like they kind of do whatever they want, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone is like the local cop, like they're New York <laughs> cops living in Jersey, doing whatever they want. He's like the actual cop. How of the are the town. accents in it? It's <laughs> it's rough sometimes, <laughs> but it's all about like corrupt cops and violence and all this shit. Yeah. But it's so funny, Sylvester Stallone. It's like a serious movie, and he still talks like he sounds. Talks. And I swear to God, dude, there's like a scene like where they're like, they're yeah. like, yeah, he just talks like that because he like took some hits to the head. Yeah, they like literally <laughs> explained shit. it away. And I remember thinking like, oh my god, what they, if like, it... wrote that in? Why he talks like that? That was ad libbed for sure. Yeah. What if there's a line in? Every single Stallone movie somewhere that's like yeah. explains his voice. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, blah, blah, blah. and they're like, why does he sound like that? Oh, he's, he's a little bit special or something. Like they literally say that. Like I remember just being like, oh my god. What country is Christopher Walken from? America. Why does he talk like that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm they not insulting to, him. I he's love being it. dramatic. I, I love Christopher to, Walken. People have tried to explain it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he doesn't like what have, part of he doesn't have an accent. He just speaks like him. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Shatner-esque. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Though I feel like he was going for some sort of TV melodrama thing and then yeah. buggled it up and then they just... <laughs> Does he talk like that normally? Who? 
Jenner. No, I don't know. I don't know. He, I don't he had an album where he sang. Yeah, that's kind of like is that Brannigan kind of based off yes, of yeah. Jenner's character, like his persona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, Halloween is almost upon us, and what better way is there to end our spooky, scary series this month than by diving into what many call the very definition of survival horror in games as we know it. Resident Evil, or Biohazard for you Japanese listeners, is a long, long-running IP that still today continues to dominate not only the interactive space, but has even went on to spawn everything from terrible live-action movies to toys to comic books, all since its initial launch on the PS1 in 1996. As of recording right now, there have been 25 releases in the video game franchise alone, and that's not including the near-endless amounts of remasters either. Remakes, though, those are different. Now, while not all of them have achieved quite the same level of accomplishment, there are literally entries in both some of the top-rated and lowest-rated titles ever on Metacritic, its success has been undeniable for legendary company Capcom. And with over 92 million units sold across the series on all of its many hosted platforms, it remains high up at the number one spot for their most profitable product line, while also being the 20th best-selling gaming franchise overall, right next to The Legend of Zelda. Ooh. It's money. Yeah. Capcom, the Monster Hunter guys? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the God Hand guys. I thought Monster Hunter wait, wait, did they became, do that? <laughs> I thought Monster Hunter became their best selling. That was their best selling single title, Monster Hunter World, I think. Oh, I thought the franchise beat out Resident Evil finally. You know, well, not, I, not finally. Yeah, I'm not. You know uh, what I mean? <laughs> Its monumental place in history with the medium is inarguable. Without the original RE and its use of environmental exploration, inventory management, and puzzle solving, all mixed with raw scares, somber music, and B-movie gore, there wouldn't be a silent hill, a fatal frame, an eternal darkness. Beyond that, there likely wouldn't even be a dead rising, a left for dead, a dead island, or that very special extra Call of Duty co-op mode that's big enough to have its own standalone title at this point. And why do you think that is for that second batch I mentioned there? Fucking zombies. Ooh. Even goddamn zombie grandfather George Romero credits Resident Evil in bringing the shambling undead into 21st century culture. Nice. Writer-director Alex Garland, the current best in movie sci-fi in my opinion, cites it as a primary influence on his 28 Days Later script, while Shaun of the Dead star and co-writer Simon Pegg openly tips his hat to it as well for reigniting the trend for us all. And that film later paved the road for projects like Zombieland and Warm Bodies. It all spiders out. And I mean, who... Spiders, nice, dude. <laughs> yeah. Are they Resident Evil? They are, yeah. <laughs> That's spooky. Snakes, too. Yeah. Uh, That's and I not mean, Halloween theme, though. Who, who knows, really, if World War Z is a property or the Walking Dead Empire could exist in its same popular format if Resi never graced the PlayStation 23 years ago? Yeah, perhaps not all its resulting inspirations would prove to be the best, my point is its importance, and not just in large, you know, scale impact as I stop name-dropping, but in personal ones, too. You could maybe say I was just the right age for it, but it's just that original 96 release, that was my first ever real exposure to horror as a concept. And I don't think that's a thing you ever really forget. That first that's right, you grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> That first feeling of simulated fear, being scared from something someone made is a powerful emotion. Some people seek it out, others hide from it. We even laugh at it on a few occasions. Yo, hide her, right here. <laughs> 
Uh, there's camaraderie in it. Just the imagery of that game alone, its sound and ambience, atmosphere, reading its twisted journals, jumping at the zombie dogs crashing through the hallway windows, cracking up with my neighborhood friends at that opening FMV cutscene and just awful translated voice acting. They're honestly some of my finest gaming memories as a little kid. But anyway, enough gushing, and you guys just wait till you hear my Tetris opening. <laughs> um, it's time for us to talk about how this Watershed saga came to be. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with partial Resident Evil enthusiast, Austin Blakesley. Recent Resident Evil enthusiast. <laughs> and non-Resident Evil enthusiast, Chris Anantuano. I've played like two or three of them, but okay. barely. <laughs> <laughs> so before uh, you get going, you said it's called Biohazard in Japan? Yes. So is Resident Evil 7 called Biohazard 7 Biohazard? No, it's called it's called Biohazard 7 Resident Evil. And yeah. then here... <laughs> And then and here then, it's called Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Also, the fucking Roman numeral being also, the 7. It's yeah, great. Yeah, the coolest title treatment ever. Yeah. Because they didn't put a 7 on it. So in America it says Resident Evil, but the V, I, and then the leftmost yeah. line in the L are orange, so it's a 7 yeah, Roman yeah, yeah. numeral. And then in the but they had Japanese to redo it, one, yeah. in the Japanese one, it's Biohazard, but the Z, except for the bottom line, is orange because it's a 7. Nice. Whoever designed that. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's, cool. It's really cool. It's brilliant. All right, so you guys ready? Let's uh, enter the world of survival horror. Yeah. Well, let's just say <laughs> this is it. This is the last episode of it Hot is. Ween. Hot Ween. I hope, Hot ween. You, I hope we you enjoyed it. A month, <laughs> a month's worth of spooky shit. Yeah. We've been yeah. doing pretty good so far. We had to cut that one about... Uh... Oh, damn it. I was trying to think of something. <laughs> I was trying to get something wildly inappropriate that wasn't, like, too inappropriate. <laughs> we'll just bleep it. Just edit a bleep oh, yeah. into there. Add a bleep there. <laughs> we had to cut the one about... We had to cut redacted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting here is that it's actually kind of difficult to get into the history of Resident Evil Biohazard without first telling the story of Sweet Home, a little-known survival horror RPG released exclusively in Japan for the Famicom in 1989. It was also developed and published by Capcom and was based on a Japanese film of the same name, a movie that a few of us even watched in preparation last Sunday. So I will say it is up in its entirety to watch on YouTube for free and without any ads. Supposedly the production company affiliated with the project is no longer around, making its distribution technically not illegal, as no other studio appeared to have purchased the assets. This was great news for us since it did not look to be available to stream or buy anywhere that we could find. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I recommend checking it out for those interested, especially during this time of year. The quality of that rip is also good and has English subtitles, of course. Me and a good buddy of ours, Matt, rather enjoyed it. You and Chelsea seemed indifferent. I don't know. It was fine. Yeah. I'm not saying it was, like, amazing by any means, but I thought yeah, it was I fun. Think, yeah. I think you and Matt liked it because it, it's like nostalgic like an old horror movie yes it's very I think criteria old horror movies it. are kind of stupid <laughs> <laughs> i was impressed by some of the effects and i still think that yeah, like initial concept yeah. is cool it's simple it, it certainly doesn't waste any time jumping in either which i like yeah spoiler uh, when that chick melts that was a cool effect that was cool <laughs> Plus, I got a real kick out of seeing the uh, all the early aspects of things that would later become Resident Evil staples. The house key alone that they show, and just the, just the scene where somebody opens a door and that's it. It's just black everywhere <laughs> else except for the door. <laughs> the entire design too of the property that the characters are staying in, like, still continues to inspire Ari in many ways that I believe are very apparent. There's one particular scene that might as well be the box art for Resident Evil 7. It's mm -hmm. great. Anyway, the premise for both the movie and the tie-in video game each revolve around the story of a team of five filmmakers exploring an old abandoned mansion in search of finding the precious frescoes hidden there. 
Frescoes being a technique of mural painting executed upon freshly laid or wet lime plaster. A ter- this is a term that we did have to look up while watching. I think you Googled it because I didn't yeah. know what they were referring to. But as you probably guessed it, shit goes wrong. Place is mad haunted. I don't want to spoil anything more, just in case, however, you can already see the uh, Resident Evil in the setup there. Even 7, I mentioned, brought back the camera crew angle again, mm-hmm. which which I loved. Uh, not to mention the setting of there being a paranormal like female presence following everyone, along with a tragic tale involving a family that once lived there. It's, yeah. But what are the actual mechanics of the game itself? that would have to follow all these ideas. Well, good thing for you guys that we got the direct scoop because a friend of the podcast that I just brought up before, Matt, found and ordered me a copy of Sweet Home for us to try out, which we did the other night. Except this one was fully translated and copied to an NES cart for us Americans to have here across the pond. Some dedicated fans out there eventually gave up on the dream of it ever being localized outside Japan and took it upon themselves to passionately make a true unofficial reproduction, giving us English speakers the opportunity to see just what exactly this thing was going for. Which was kind of neat. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm not really into JRPGs, but this game was kind of ambitious as, as all fuck. Like... For the time, even removing the cross-media nature of it, like, it's kind of crazy to look back on now. Basically, the simple version is you've got your party of characters from the film that you can switch between. You search through the mansion. It's dark and intricate, making it easy to get lost. You encounter hostile enemies while trying to keep everyone alive. Weapons are limited. Health is limited. There are quick-time events, which are super rare for the time. You manage, cool. uh, yeah, you, you manage an inventory for all your found items. You solve various puzzles to progress. Um, you revisit rooms, kind of like Metroid-style. Much of the story is told through reading notes or diary entries picked up throughout the environment, which is very similar. Like, there are multiple endings, too, depending on who lives and who dies in your party. That's from 1989? Yeah. But I don't know. What did you think, Austin, from what you saw? I don't ever want to play it. Yeah. It was enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Because, like, the whole idea is that you have the five characters from the movie. Yes. They all have, like, distinct abilities, I think, You, like, walk around with their party of five, but then you can also split them into separate parties and literally split up and explore different sides of the mansion. The other group will stay there. And then you can just, like, switch on the fly between them and go back to the other party who might be on, like, the other side of the mansion. And then it's like... I think Resident Evil tried to do that again with Zero, like, years later. What's it look like? Like, um, top down. Top down. It look kind of looks like a Final Fantasy, like yeah, old yeah, school Final what, Fantasy. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, the quick time events are like you'll be walking and randomly it'll be like a chandelier's falling. What do you want to yeah. do? A duck, dive left, dive right. It's a bit aggressive with the random encounters. Yeah, that's kind of like it breaks the pacing a little bit. I was talking to Matt when we were playing this. But one of the things I actually like a lot about the, what Pokemon did when that came out was have very specific areas where random battles would happen yeah. rather than just every Everywhere, few feet. Yeah. So you could kind of avoid it if you weren't looking to, to to engage with that stuff, but this game is just like every foot. Like, yeah. <laughs> it seemed pretty unforgiving, too. They definitely don't explain shit when you boot it up. It literally just like <laughs> right into it. <laughs> but it's it's neat, yeah. and it's definitely what's that? There's a line in the game where he's like, we're trapped in the home of residing evil. Yeah. And me, you, <laughs> yeah. and Matt just went, oh! Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That was pretty good. And you can't forget the blood and guts either. All of these elements would absolutely go on to become vital parts of Resident Evil. It even showcases the iconic door opening animation that would later return as a way to mask the PlayStation 1's load times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
but it's great. This is all like an eight bit NES game that I'm talking about. Like if we didn't say what well, you'd think, you just would picture something yeah. modern like in your head. But all of it, yeah, contained precursors that we would still get used decades later. There are also plenty of other features, though, that would not go on to be comparable to Resi. For starters, I did say that at its core, it is a role-playing game. Turn-based combat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The encounters with those supernatural bad guys would send the game into a first-person view for turn-based menu combat. As Austin said, it's definitely like you're just going through. Yeah, it looks like RPG Maker. A little bit, yeah. Players would get experience points and unlock moves for those fighting in their party. Of up to, I think you have three people at once with you. You can split them off into groups of Lots two or three or one. Confusing menus and yeah. items just that like don't Resident really, Evil. <laughs> you don't really know what to do with that control scheme with only having two buttons. Yeah. Uh, definitely made learning that stuff a little rough at first. There was also one other major thing that would separate this title from our game in question today, and that was the uh, permadeath. If one of those five characters are killed, they will permanently remain dead for the rest of the game. What the fuck? Yeah, now while there are technically ways to revive said party members, it does demand specific items and it is not a simple task. I don't think we lost anybody from where we are. We, we played well, for like three hours, four hours. To be fair, hours. you lost a lot of people. You just you just abused that reset button on that <laughs> NES. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it does have a save system. It does. Yeah, like it, it, you can save anywhere you are. If it didn't have that, we'd, we'd truly well, be fucked. Well, yeah, because that repo card works pretty well, but it did freeze a couple times too, so. Uh, it froze when we like, I mean, it was running on a console from 85. Yeah. That was made before I was born. So I think anytime we like, Pulled the controller a little hard, but otherwise we got we got through it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Resident Evil was never known for being the easiest game to get through in your first try, but Sweet Home is downright unforgivable. One tiny slip up on a rickety floor, or forget an item, and your character could be out for the count. It's pretty Jesus. yeah, it's pretty brutal. So who the f made this thing, and why ain't I heard of it until now? I guess I've been shooting at Zambos for years. Well, the game's director was uh, Tokoro Fujiwara. This dude was an absolute legend at Capcom, even by this point. He was lead on Ghosts and Goblins, Puyen, Bionic Commando. He even helped produce Mega Man with Kenji Inafune. Nice. Hot off of Strider, Fujiwara was commissioned to start work on Sweet Home and for it to be complementary to the film, a film that was technically still in production at the time. He even toured ah. the movie set to gather inspiration, and director Kayoshi Kurosawa actually gave Fujiwara permission to take some liberties with the game's script, as long as he was able to also supervise the production on the video game as well. <laughs> this actually wasn't the only shared staff, which I find very interesting when you think of how tie-in products are made these days. In fact, both the game and the film share the same executive producer as well, Mr. Juzo Atami, who unfortunately would suffer from a bizarre death years later involving a staged suicide from falling after members of the press published evidence that he was having an extramarital affair. What the fuck? The incident supposedly was orchestrated by members of the Yakuza when the group became angry at the portrayal of the gang in Atami's anti-Yakuza satire film, Minbo no Ana a controversial movie that he had already been attacked and beaten and slashed for several times Holy only six days shit. after its release. This display of terrible violence on such a public figure actually did lead to the crackdown on the Yakuza by the Japanese government. 
Jeez. Now we just That's make fun of them wild. in video games, I guess, right? Like, considering yeah, the like, Yakuza like series nothing. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I believe Sweet Home was his last acting role as well. That's pretty cool, the shared, like producer and all that stuff like that's how it should be done probably yeah, yeah like, totally i agree you should make him tie in you know mm-hmm. they were clearly passionate about this like, yeah you know. yeah like they did with the avatar video game remember that james cameron was involved the game was called james cameron's avatar mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really i didn't know that <laughs> i was just thinking about how bad the avengers video game is gonna be and it's like you couldn't have an easier subject matter to make a video game about <laughs> Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> we'll see, I guess, but mm, not holding my breath. It's like Destiny, but with Iron Man. <laughs> Dude, nothing will beat that Hulk video game where you could rip cars in half and smash them under your oh, fist. Oh yeah, Ultimate Destruction. Is that I what that is? Yeah. yeah, way better than either of the Hulk films. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so game is in full production while things on set are finishing up as well. I promise we'll get into Resident Evil real soon. Sorry. During this process, the movie's director, Kurosawa, reminded game director Fujiwara to not really concern himself with following their story exactly and to basically have fun with it. This led to the game's plot having all those several different endings diverging from what we saw the other night, which was a very unprecedented idea at the time. To have a video game like expand on a feature film's narrative this way. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It seems like a lot to put on a cartridge, isn't it? Just like your Don't, typical gray yeah. fucking bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I won't delve too much in the development of Sweet Home today, as we still have much left to cover. So let's just skip ahead and say the game is officially released on uh, December 15th of 89. Still in the same year as its movie counterpart, but more around its home video launch rather than its theatrical run. Despite simultaneous promotions for commercials and trailers of both products being shown together. Huh. Which is cool. Like, like there are literally, like, trailers for the film and then... It's contrasted against footage of this game. Like it's they they ah, were planning cool. from the beginning. It felt like that's a good way to do it. <laughs> oh, I want to show Chris this picture. This is the quote. Oh, is that the residing evil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says, you must escape this house of residing evil. <laughs> and we'll get into I remember uh, you reminded me that we very much have to talk about why Resident Evil is called Resident Evil as well, because that, yeah. that's also fun, very funny. Is it because uh, attending really evil <laughs> was taken? <laughs> No, but Biohazard may have been. What about a uh, medical intern, not that bad a guy? What's that taken? <laughs> That's the guy dang Get, get it, resident. But uh, response to this game was good. In fact, many critics believed it was even better than the film itself. Uh, it even sold well enough, too. Although apparently not enough for Capcom to pursue a release in any other territory, many claimed it was due to the RPG nature of it, not being you know as well of, accepted of a genre outside of Japan. Well, in 1989, no. We, we just wanted no. football and hockey games. <laughs> yeah, here in the Western market, oh, yeah, especially. Like, yeah. <laughs> that could have been some influence, sure. Others will still stand by the fact that the title also featured some pretty gruesome imagery. It seems, you know, cool. yeah. pretty Pretty uh, innocuous now, but that Nintendo was still pretty dissuaded from attempting any localization because of it. Remember that video games were just starting to get a little more kickback from that sort of thing here in the states than yeah. over there. It took it took they had to make it a, a white guy with a mustache in order for us to play a Japanese game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from Brooklyn. <laughs> well, all of that and, and the actual Sweet Home film itself would have been an unknown property here, considering it's Japanese only release. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. But that's the story of Gone Home. So what do you guys say we skip ahead of Sweet Home? God, that I did that earlier too. Yeah, didn't you, I? you keep calling it Gone Home. <laughs> it's not the story of Gone Home. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a future episode. So what do you guys say we uh, fast forward again a few years? and uh, Now. Now? Can you just talk about what everybody <laughs> specifically did in those few years? Hey, everybody was just sitting around. Lunch, breakfast, dinner. <laughs> Yeah. All that stuff. When I was doing research on the uh, for the Tetris episode, I found people that were like documenting as much information about the game as I could, and I got to one point where they were like they had a lot of personal information about Alexei Pajitnov's life, which yeah. was very interesting. Until I got to the part where it was talking about his diet, and I was like, "Listen, I love Tetris, but <laughs> I, this doesn't seem entirely necessary. I don't think this is going to make All it right. into our." Do you think when he packed his lunch, he was like? <laughs> <laughs> turn, 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 turn. <laughs> Trying to fit a thing in. <laughs> the lunchbox is just like... Yeah, he fit, it all, fit. Per- he fit all perfectly and then it disappeared. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> the table. <laughs> so, so Fujiwara was proud of his work on the title, but he was also pretty frustrated by the Famicom's graphical limitations at the time. By 1993, he and uh, Koji Oda were already trying to attempt a redesign, but now it was going to be on the Super Famicom. He had twice the bits to work with this go-around. Nice. Oh, wait, that math might not be right. I think you explained bits in a previous episode. He had about 16,000 more colors to work with. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, The only problem was that with the evolving tech also came more ambition. This was when Fujiwara brought in Shinji Mikami as director, a relatively new, albeit very talented, young game designer that he was mentoring, whose previous works included licensed titles such as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Goof Troop, and Disney's Aladdin. Wait, Shinji Mikami did Aladdin? Yeah. That's why it's dope. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, wasn't that game like notoriously good? It's also why yeah. it's hard as shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this decision would later become a huge part of Resident Evil getting its signature identity. What, that it's an, an Arab prince? I don't get the connection. <laughs> no, not the, not the Aladdin game. <laughs> Speaking of, this was also uh, around the time in 94 that the Sony Play Space Station would catch their eye. Uh, or no, the No Space Station. Sorry, this is this is when it was one word, right? Yeah, the actual PlayStation. <laughs> the actual PlayStation. Upon viewing early tech demos of seeing what the system could achieve with real 3D, the idea was proposed of making a remake as an entirely first-person experience. A remake of Sweet Home. I almost oh, did it again. <laughs> first person from the beginning. Yeah. For maximum horror immersion. Yeah. A prototype uh, was even made with its only screenshot being almost reminiscent of Doom. Oh. However, the concept was obviously later dropped due to certain constraints as well as a uh, change in vision, and thus it wouldn't get revisited you, again in the mainline series all the way up until Resident Evil 7 in 2017. Could you imagine a video game company now making a licensed game and then being like, we fucked it up the first time, <laughs> but so now that years the PS5 later. is out, we're going <laughs> to try to make Cars 3 the video game again. <laughs> what movie property like that's like X many years old would just be the most like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to make Peter Jackson's King Kong again. again, but for the Xbox 3 or whatever it's called. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The King Kong game was awesome. Yeah, I know. I kind of like that game. That's what I'm saying, but the graphics weren't there. It would be hilarious, though, if they tried to do that after another King Kong movie already came out Uh in the meantime, and it was based off the old one. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's just funny to see... Uh, in, That's crazy. In, it was like, going to be first person right away. Yeah, so. yeah. And we'll get into that again later. You know, first person cool. is scary. You know what's scarier? Making it so hard to aim that I never want to play this game. Hey, it adds to it. <laughs> <laughs> the tension. You don't understand. 
I just find it interesting that in like it just seems like RE7 is like the true vision of what the first entry was kind of supposed to be. Yeah. Like you know, like it. Yeah, and everybody hated it. No, they didn't. Well, I it's thought it was really fire. good. It was, it was very much like I beloved. I know. That's what I'm saying. It didn't oh, they, sell. They didn't, it didn't lo- sell as well. And no, it's uh. no, it sold well. It just didn't sell. Like when companies have stupid expectations, like uh, like Square Enix does it a lot too, where they're like, "What do you mean the, our reboot of Tomb Raider didn't sell 45 million copies?" And meanwhile, it went on to sell like 12, and they're like, "No, not good." Because <laughs> yeah. RE7 sold like seven million copies or something, or six or seven million copies. That's really good. Oh yeah. But they're like, "That's not Call of Duty numbers." Like you know, like it's, I don't know. The unrealistic uh, expectations that it is, yeah, these these companies have for that's games. That's not Call of Duty because <laughs> it's not just shooty shooty bang bang video game. It's got well, I substance. guess sorry, Call of Duty's a Western thing. I should have said it's not like Monster Hunter numbers or you know like that the game's best dumb. Thing Capcom's ever Come at made. me. <laughs> Hey, oh, you know, yeah, be I'm sarc- for those listening, I'm being sarcastic. Monster you know, be cool. Let's it. make a crazy action game where you fight giant monsters. That does sound dope. Okay, but we'll give it fighting game controls, <laughs> and we'll make it uh, the slowest imaginable action possible. That's why Lost Planet is the yeah. best Monster Hunter game. I was yeah. playing The Witcher the other day, and you know what I thought? Lost I don't have to sharpen my sword enough. <laughs> Monster Hunter. Yeah, I was playing The Witcher, and I was like, you know, what make this battle with this hard creature already even just a little bit harder if i want to do attack i have to left right x up b a forward and then if it's just a fourth of a degree angle off it'll miss it completely oh my and then god i had to hearing, wait a minute to finish the animation hearing yeah. our friends try and to get that like party system working That's the multiplayer I oh i tried Holy to do that shit. with a I, I don't know who it was. I made them download it when it came what to Game Pass, and we were oh, trying to like, like, play, yeah, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. It's like so annoying. Like, Isn't there you like can, a flare friend, that you have to like send you know, out? Your friend can join the mission to play with you, but they can't yeah. join during any cutscenes, so you have to watch the cutscenes and then invite people. Hmm. And they also have to be in the same world as you, because the worlds are only 16 players. But you can't share a social hub. Like The social hubs are individuals, I think. And it's it's just uh, very convoluted. Does it at least keep people with you? Because our friends no. kept having to do it over and over. You again. have to do it every time. Jeez. Ugh. So anyway, our gun. That's uh, a real scary video game. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I almost did it again. So the game was then repitched instead as a third-person title, but now with all the pre-rendered backgrounds to use as much as the tech as they could. This is why the characters themselves only appeared as real-time polygonal figures, while everything else behind them seemed to be so realistic. The models were basically superimposed, causing them to really pop out. Yeah. Uh, this also that was... That was always bizarre. It kind of reminded me of Final Fantasy, like, how, like, yeah. it's static backgrounds it, with You know what it reminded me of? Some old top. Hanna-Barbera cartoons where you could see, like, you notice a oh, lot yeah, in something like tell. Scooby-Doo, like, which objects they're going to interact with and which ones they aren't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was a little bit more, I think, like, of an evolution uh, Could you imagine that, but... that first game was first person? It probably would have been scary -er if you had to move like that That's what made seven so fucking scary. (laughs) And fiddle with the controls. (laughs) This also was what led to the fixed camera perspective as well, a token mainstay for an endless amount of future titles to come, both in and out of the franchise. But this change didn't exactly come out of nowhere. During production, Mikami discovered 1992 PC game Alone in the Dark, which heavily influenced him to adopt their more cinematic style. He even later said that if it wasn't for Alone in the Dark, that the original Resident Evil probably would have tried to stick with the first-person view instead. That makes sense. I don't, oh. think, the, I don't think the tech was there to make first-person as cinematic no. as... Not oh. back then. 
That's I, why Call of Duty campaigns blew so much, like, yeah. fucking minds so back then. It, you know, it's Very cinematic, uh, cool things done with first person. This isn't even in my thing, but I, I went back and uh, uh, played the original Alone in the Dark, like, years after I got into Resident Evil. I didn't much care for it too much. And, it's, and I, I didn't dislike it. Like, I understood what it was going for. It just felt very... It felt even more dated than going back to what playing RE1 would be now. And that's still not to say it's not incredibly important, but I think there was a preview episode where we were talking about something, and you were talking about when a game does something better. And yeah. it's like, you can acknowledge and respect like where something takes things from yeah. but you can also understand you also yeah <laughs> like you also retain the right to be like this did it right oh yeah <laughs> i had a conversation yeah. with borderlands 3 recently i was oh, like yeah. yeah it feels like destiny but and i respect it but destiny still did it better <laughs> <laughs> now it's kind of hard to say how well that first person like you know how those systems would have turned out our director was supposedly at first very hesitant with the the change to the fixed camera stating it quote had an effect on immersion making the player feel a bit more detached it's just once he saw what dev kits were capable of with the pre-rending of those backdrops the high levels of detail they could achieve over the 3d fps view of the initial draft the decision then became a no-brainer, especially considering the issues that version was dealing with, in which he later claimed that first build, quote, didn't get along so well with the original PlayStation specs. Huh. I can't say I remember many first-person shooters on the PlayStation, or first-person games in general. Was Kingsfield on the... I mean, there, there was probably a version of Doom and Wolfenstein on PlayStation. They ported that yeah. those to everything. But yeah, I... Um, off the top of my head? Not like the N64, where you had Goldeneye and Turok and... Perfect what about Medal of Honor? Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's all right. That's probably like... Yeah. Wait, wasn't Turok also on the PlayStation? No, I think Turok was just on N64 and PC. You saw that with certain games like Shadows of the Empire and stuff, I think. Doom, Quake. Oh, Quake. Quake. Duke Nukem, uh. Medal of Honor. All right, more than that. Uh, yeah, there's Medal A couple of James Bond games, a couple Alien games. The Tomorrow Ever Dies game was also, third person. Also thought about know. the Alien games, yeah. Star Wars Dark Forces. <laughs> yeah, right. Whoa, there's a version of Dark Forces on PS1? Apparently. I wonder how uh, that is. South Park, the video game. <laughs> that was on the N64 as yeah, well. Yeah, I that game was yeah. 64 version. Yeah. <laughs> I had the PlayStation. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. At least South Park would get a good game a decade and a half later. Army Men, Sarge's Heroes. That was third person. Oh. That was on the N64 Rainbow as well. Six. Yeah, yeah that and was that's, that's first... on the PlayStation Classic or whatever. When yeah. you were saying... That is a bad version of that game. Yeah, when you were saying Resident Evil could have... The first one could have been first person, I thought Rainbow Six immediately, like, that it would have yeah, felt Yeah, like, well, I think Rainbow similarly. Six came out in 2000 after the DualShock controller came out, because the yeah. PlayStation controller didn't have joysticks initially, so... Yeah. Yo, you remember the last <laughs> mission on the N64 Rainbow Six, where you couldn't get seen by anybody? That game is impossible from it the beginning. It is fucking possible. <laughs> I was just thinking about like it, I actually just had like a real anxiety flashback yeah. for a second when you brought up. <laughs> At least up. that game had split screen. I don't think the PlayStation One did. Oh, by I, the way, I would subject my friends to. Ra- uh, Rainbow Six did have controls where you didn't have the dual analog sticks because the PlayStation Classic right. doesn't have dual analogs, and they are garbage. I think there are like certain you have to like hold down. It's like select and a trigger to like look up and down or something. Yeah, it, 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 it's yeah, it's something like that. It's rough. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> as as opposed to the N sixty four obviously like PC version that you can. Yeah. It's like you're talking about with Monster Hunter. They're like, all right, breach this door. There's a guy behind. Them. Shoot him. And you're like, okay, L two, <laughs> select, triangle. 
R1. <laughs> the game just shuts the, off. The, the, the giant bomb quickly where they couldn't figure out how to open a door because yeah. the action button is like three buttons. Like, yeah. it, like you can't just walk through a door and like hit square to open it. You have to like go into action mode. Like, and it's only on this version of the game. It's not like that on the other consoles, but like, it, yeah, it's funny. And the other platforms, but yeah. <laughs> Even so, though, the use of all those PS1 tools at their disposal and with all those extra polygons, this was allowing so much more than what they ever thought was possible before. This, of course, only led to fuel more ideas, which in turn convinced the higher-ups at Capcom to want to staff up the team. The PlayStation was already set to be out soon in Japan, but its launch lineup wasn't exactly full of any killer apps yet. It would be huge for them if they could get something on the platform for sale that people never saw before, especially on a console, and especially for us here in the West, yeah. uh, like the, something that we would find appealing when the Play non-Space Station would hit there. Sony was absolutely down for all this. Remember, this was going to the cool console for everyone after all, including adults who were over kitty platformers. The yeah, thing, at that point, if you go back and listen to our PlayStation episodes, yes, you can yeah. see, at yeah. that point, they were looking for fucking anything to yes. help them you know get out of which which was incredibly smart like and and i think even in your sega episode you brought up like the importance of third parties at that point oh yeah yeah. especially in that era nobody had like the monopoly except for nintendo to be able to like Mm -hmm. and the biggest the biggest thing separating the 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 super nintendo from the n64 is like a lot of those staple third parties that nintendo would work with shifted over yeah like capcom and konami and everything Mm -hmm. like it like it's if they didn't see what the PlayStation was in this story, presumably they probably would have stuck with the Super Nintendo or even the N64. Oh, like, yeah. In which case, we couldn't have gotten that live-action fucking <laughs> intro. The thing was, what like about all this, though, is that what brand recognition would, would an obscure 1989 Japanese horror movie have anywhere else yeah. besides there? Or even there? They kept coming up with more and more ways to make this title different. It only made sense to just turn it into its own thing anyway. Thus, the first chapter in our franchise was born. The thing was, Fujiwara was not going to let go of the spooky mansion environment and horror setting. Well, you know, while also still wanting to keep so many of the elements that were present in that initial NES release, or Famicom. Yeah, that Um, makes sense why Resident Evil 1 in like the grand scheme of the storytelling doesn't like necessarily environmentally like yeah. super fit in yeah <laughs> he said quote the basic premise was that i'd be able to do things that i wasn't able to to include in sweet home mainly on the graphics front and that he was quote confident that horror games could become a genre in themselves Creating a title like this was a risky move, as there wasn't a lot to really go off of before in this space, not to mention in Japan. Interestingly enough, director Mikami was initially very reluctant of this early on because he, quote, hated being scared. He eventually receded and carried on with the project, but only after he fully understood how exactly it would be frightening. Like, it's... I just find it so funny that this, like director of it's like if George Romero like yeah. came out and was just yeah, like zombies creep me out yeah. and like <laughs> <laughs> I, I like died reading that I was like you're telling me the guy responsible for Resident Evil is like I don't really like spooky stuff 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't play. I guess objectively, you could probably still create like a good. Well, that's the thing. Really like I, I think good, he was into yeah. it once he realized. Like he's behind the curtain, so it's not. You know? That's how I feel. Like yeah. I, I feel like I don't. I don't really like horror games at all. Like yeah, me I've either. noticed I that with. Uh, you, I, yeah. I don't like being scared in video games. Oh, it's not. I love it it's, so much. it's not. It's not something I look for. But when it's done well, I should with say. With that said, I have played hard games, and there are ones where it's like when you get like enough of a laughable control of the situation, it's almost like, oh, I'm behind the curtain. Yeah, it's not yeah, as yeah. like, you know. You know what I had an affinity for for a little while was when non-horror games would suddenly become horror games in weird moments. Yeah. Like, I think uh, things like Ravenholm and Half-Life 2 are extremely Ew, effective. very scary. Like, it's, it's fr- the sound, it's it's terrifying. Especially, it's like, such when a, you get... It's just a little chapter of a bigger yeah. thing. Like well, when you get... Well, to be honest, like, it's not like Half-Life 1... Towed the line of yeah. horror, but it was it had a more sci-fi element yeah. than Resident Evil I, did in I its do, early days. At I least. do feel like realistically, if Half Life ever became like a feature film, they'd lean into the horror or sci-fi oh, angle more than sure, yeah. yeah than what the game but yeah, you're did. right. I love that when you get out of that. I think it's like the sewers you come out of, or like yes. something, and yeah, you come out, yeah. and it's just like that's like the chapter title, and you're yeah. like, ooh, and it's like all this it fucking dark shit. To, uh, we don't go yeah. to Ravenholm, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, right. which yeah. is uh, creepy. I know it's so good. so good. Yeah, those chapter names. So let's get into where the world of Resident Evil would come from a little bit. One of the most notable features that gave Sweet Home its identity was its use of environmental storytelling that I mentioned before, and this game needed that lore too. The player needed a reason to want to explore the house after all, rather than just you know, to escape it. Yeah. During the first six months of this development, McCammy yeah, if it were up would, to me, uh, I'd be trying to get the fuck out of here yeah, as quick as possible. I think the first thing I tried to do was open the, front door, the front door, which I think the opening cutscene, like, they stop you, like, I think Wesker or somebody, like, is just like, don't open that door or whatever. But then if you tried in the remake, they let you open it and then a bunch of dogs, zombie dogs come in <laughs> and I was I was like, that's funny. But uh, McCammy, during this, he would work on the game alone, like by himself. He he created concept sketches, designing characters, and writing over 40 pages of script. Definitely atypical for home console video games of the era. Yeah, I was actually going to do a joke. I don't know enough about the Resident Evil storyline, but I was going to say, all right, the original storyline is... pretty convoluted. And then I start with like this (laughs) this super convoluted fucking nine-game tale. The the, the funny thing, like I, I love Seven because it's so removed from that but it still ties in eventually like it's a small part of a okay, bigger thing yeah. but what's but i always find it very weird when even in that game and in and all the future games they're referencing events that happened in their alternate world in the 90s so they're like back when all these nukes went off in the united states in 1998 and you're like man the series has been going on so long yeah. that like you can't because they create an alternate future, you have to follow this timeline of what you were committed to initially. Yeah. Like, like, but this was when our director would begin to dive a bit more into horror pop culture from around the world as well, citing Kubrick's The Shining as a huge influence on the design of interiors of the Spencer Mansion, like for their backgrounds. But for every inspirational Romero film he watched, he would also find some that he didn't like or wanted to avoid being compared to, such as the 1979 film Zombie. Which, I guess I agree with you, McCammy. Like, Dawn of the Dead is a way better movie than Zombie. (laughs) Um, But in fact, he was liking George's work so much that it actually became the key factor in altering the psychological Japanese horror setting left over from Sweet Home to instead a more American zombie setting. Yeah, I was going to say that. Based in raw survival. Yeah, from what I was looking at in the screenshots of Sweet Home, it seemed very, like, 
monstery. Yeah, not which is funny because the movie doesn't actually have a lot of visual representation of what's haunting them. Like it's mostly shadows and yeah, tricks of yeah. light and stuff like that. But you know, classically, Resident Evil seems uh, it does. They would, they've always made sure that not just be like zombies yeah exactly it seems more zombie centric like where does resident evil take place Did they ever say is it fake is it real um i mean raccoon city is obviously not real that's essentially their surrogate new york kind of like what? gotham <laughs> but they they always give regions because i the spencer mansion is in the pacific northwest oh, okay. um just like resident evil 7 takes place in louisiana but right. I, but like i don't think the residents or town is real yeah. um but like What's interesting here is that the game already featured undead enemies. Like that first screenshot still had a zombie in it. Because there are zombies in Gone Home, even though they're, they're not in the film. But instead, he wanted to push the entire plot to be zombie focused. Like how to deal with them and where they came from and who they were. Like, I'm not sure he was expecting Umbrella to become like the most well known evil corporation in the media. Like, when you think about game cover, like, you think about them and Black Mesa, you know, people yeah. have umbrella tattoos and it's on all the merch and stuff like that. Like, it's, you never really I have know. a Black Mesa tattoo. I know. That freaks it's me dope. out every time I see it. Really? Because <laughs> I forget that it's on the back of my arm, so it's like I just stretch, I'm like, what the fuck? I got, I've done that before. This is a weird thing to leave it, but I just think it's funny. When I'm drying my hair out of the shower, I forget I have one on my back shoulder blade because I never see it. Yeah, and then so you're like, like oh, for two seconds, that? I'm like, like, I think like a bug's on me or something. Like, it, even though it's much larger, but I don't know what it is. Like, it... <laughs> Now, uh, once we had our bad guys, we then needed our good guys, too. Jill, Chris, Wesker, who, of course, during the course of the game would be revealed as the villain. Sorry, spoilers. In whoa, case it wasn't whoa, more whoa, obvious. There's those gruff voice and sunglasses. It's so stupid. But we had, hey, we had our... good guy. Yeah, yeah. But we had the STARS team, which I always like the name of their thing. Um, Isn't it an acronym? Yeah. It is, Something yes. tactical assault. Damn it, look it up. I, yeah, the, look I'm, it up. the fan of me is like real angry at myself right now. This was our cast of characters, minus a black comic relief character and a big cyborg for some reason, who would later become <laughs> Rebecca Chamber and Barry, respectively. Probably a smart change there, but... Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, if you Google the game stars, wouldn't go through some... Resident Evil doesn't come up. Yeah. Did you all caps it? Is it the network? Did you put periods in between each... Oh, the star... No, that's spelled differently. There's no, a Z in there. It, uh, it comes up with the Dallas stars. Maybe that's because I look up hockey more than most people. Uh, Google knows. Uh, special Tactics and Rescue Service. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, at some point. I got one word, right? <laughs> Tactic. Yeah. Tactical. The studio also wanted the cast to like feel alive, and despite owning their own motion capture studio facility at the time, instead opted for all of the movements to be fully animated for the characters. Oh, Capcom? Yeah. Oh, probably for Street Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck is <laughs> Mocap yeah. Studio? Granted, Mocap Studios back then were, I'm sure, yeah. not what they are now. Wait, well, for it wouldn't make sense for Street Fighter. That's all, why not? that's all 2D. Yeah, I but mean, they wouldn't still map out like, the why, movement. Why or would think... Capcom have a. You're right, I guess they wouldn't. More like Mortal no, Kombat did, but yeah, that's, it's all... that wasn't them. Yeah, actually, Mega Man's all Mocap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There had to be some game. I'm thinking of. I'm trying to think of Capcom. It says that they had one. I don't. Mm. Unless they maybe they just never movie related really maybe. used it. Yeah, I don't know. Japan don't know. companies are weird. Maybe they did it for like movie production or something. Yeah, but the artists like designing here would be referred to specific books and videos in order to study how people, spiders, and other animals encountered in the game would behave. 
And while it's easy to look back at the stuff and laugh now, there weren't exactly other titles around going for what they were trying to do. Yeah. With production at this point being kind of completely underway now, the development team had grown upwards to about 40 people, especially during the end. Almost all of this work was done on silicon graphics hardware using the software program Soft Image. I say almost because there is still a matter of that one particular fantastic edition that we can't get into just yet, although you know is coming. I think I may have said it earlier, but whatever. All motion something. I thought you were going to say full nudity. No. It's the way of the future. Yeah. Really. Graphics can't get any better than that. <laughs> Then full frontal nudity? <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk reveals. Where did the press and public first know about this thing? Crazy enough, one of its initial behind-closed-doors appearances would host a demo that actually featured the game being played cooperative locally, a mode that was unfortunately later removed, as McCammy said it technically wasn't good enough. You know, This was in 1995. It's not but... scary enough. <laughs> as evidenced and by And they're too busy fucking bouncing into each other. <laughs> Yeah, it's stuck in a doorway. <laughs> yeah. Then later that same year, at the annual V-Jump Festival, a revised version of the build would be shown publicly, showcasing the combat and gameplay, but this time with no multiplayer of any kind. Response was good, although the character models and textures at this time were still pretty rudimentary and needed finalizing. In early 96, the title began to make previews in gaming magazines, all under the name Biohazard. I know I've just been calling it by its American title this whole episode. Some of these articles, by the way, even portrayed areas and bosses that would later be cut from the final game. I even believe early versions allowed you to cycle through weapons in real time. Ooh. Yeah, what would that been? Everything else, though... Definitely uh, would have been too easy then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Combining items together, the save feature using the ink ribbons, the revisiting of areas, the gore, that was all there. And people were excited. It sounded like a true survival experience. So, by this point, production was also finally complete. There was, however, just one more thing the developers wanted to include before calling it a day, something that would really stand out from the crowd of its 32-bit competition. And those are those three little letters that Austin... FMV. (laughs) For those who haven't seen it, it's fucking great. I can't even imagine what RE would be these days if they stuck with that aesthetic throughout the whole series. But it should likely all be on YouTube, although honestly, the uncut one that's in color is still fairly hard to find, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. It's very Evil Dead-like in nature, a lot of low swooping camera angles, and, like tons of fog, and the makeup and all the blood and guts is real, like, wet looking. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And so, so dumb. Like, it's honestly even more cornball than you remember, <laughs> the way it introduces all the characters and the CG monsters and all that. One of the first notable things also is that the cast is of American actors, despite the Japanese studio and the fact that it was all even filmed there. This was to remain consistent with the Western setting. I was going to say, probably. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that all of the releases, including the one in Japan, would use English voice acting for the game itself. Which I I didn't know that. Captions and text would obviously all be translated, but the marvelous lock-picking and Jill Sandwich lines would remain the same in each territory. Supposedly, Japanese VO performances were still recorded, except they were left unused when Mikami found the quality of the performances inadequate. I wonder if this has something to do with the fact that PlayStation was trying to hit, like, everywhere. Yeah, probably, like, that initiative. And this is kind of like a, hey, let's capture American market off the bat. It probably seemed exotic over there as well. But I, I just find this absolutely hilarious, by the way, when you consider the quality of the English voice yeah, acting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, even lead programmer Yashiro Ampo would later comment on this, stating that due to the development staff all being Japanese, those on staff, like on their crew, were completely unaware of the poor performances and were a little bummed to see that it could have, quote, hindered the realism and immersion of the title for the international release. This was one of the primary reasons for the redub in the 2002 GameCube remake that we'll get into soon. Speaking of these last editions, now it was time to get the title ready for launch across the world, but not first without running into a few funny problems. The first of which being its name. Here we go. Yeah, so I know Austin asked me the other day if I was going to bring this up. But yeah, uh, it turns out Biohazard wasn't going to fly over here in the States or in Europe. Uh-huh. The reason why was because of copyright issues. Chris Kramer, director of communications at Capcom, pointed out during the localization process that it would be impossible to trademark that title here in the U.S. Sega had already released a video game four years prior in 1992 called Biohazard Battle, However, they wouldn't even be their biggest competitor in the name game. New York alternative metal band Biohazard were already using the word for everything from their brand awareness to merch to marking dates on release calendars for retailers and press. They kind of had no choice but to look for something different. And they obviously stood the test of time, so that that panned out already. Right. Everybody's talking about Biohazard the band. Yeah. Yeah. Your Biohazard tattoo, though. Yeah. It's looking real good. Yeah. I do feel weird about getting it on my chin, but, you know, <laughs> I needed to show my appreciation somewhere. <laughs> so Capcom instead had the fundest solution of running an eternal company contest to find a new name. The studio... And it was called, like, the Mig Jizz Sandwich. <laughs> No, wait. <laughs> no, did nothing wrong. This isn't like, yeah, this isn't like when 4chan did there. <laughs> oh my god, the fucking Mountain Dew flavor. It was, granny Gush. It was Granny Gush. Well, one of them was just called Sierra Mist, which I thought was the funniest. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but no, no Bodie McBoat faces here. Um, oh, damn it. I was going to say zombie McZombie <laughs> face. <laughs> the studio settled in Resident Evil based solely on the monsters in the mansion setting, as well as I'm sure that sweet home reference that can't be yeah. coincidence. Yeah, there's um, no way they didn't, they didn't think I know, of that. Yeah, it's, there's no way that's a coincidence. <laughs> the funny thing was, though, Kramer thought the name was, quote, super cheesy. I can't remember what I felt like was a better alternative, he said. Probably something stupid about zombies. (laughs) But the the rest of the marketing crew loved it and were ultimately able to convince Capcom of Japan and Mikami-san that the name fit. To be honest, like, retrospectively, yeah. Yeah. But it is kind of, like, a little on the nose. I know. I just think that's hilarious, though. And it's just, like, like, the most off-the-cuff, like, just like, I don't know, probably something stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> here's the funny thing though I think I've gone on record maybe saying this here before and you can call it a bias I love the name Resident Evil like I think it's great it's campy it's original it sums up the type of thing it is which I think hardly games ever do anymore it's just plain enjoyable to say and honestly it's one of my favorite titles in the business yeah. Like, like in my opinion, I think it's one of the best. Maybe only behind like Hotline Miami and Grand Theft Auto. Like, I think Grand Theft Auto is brilliant. Yeah, you wait. You don't like Gears? That's not your favorite name. <laughs> don't make me go on that rant again. <laughs> <laughs> but we had our title here in the West. This would lead for a new cover artwork to be commissioned as well. Thus, comic book artist Bill Sykenkiewicz. 
whose works <laughs> include <laughs> uh, way too much for me to list right now. Uh, he dropped the American and European box art. I used to think it was real dumb looking as a kid, but now I think it's kind of great. Probably because it is so dumb looking. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, the dude's facial well. expression on it. It's just mwah. Look at like yeah. Please Google it. Is this one? No, no, that's yeah, the remake, that's sorry. The remake. Yeah. Type, uh, like, Resident Evil 6 box art. Or, or sorry, Resident Evil box art 1996. Yeah! <laughs> look at that. Like, you look like, like, photoshopped giant tarantulas. Yeah, and you like the tr- the big spiders on it. That's funny. That impact red font, though. It's bold. Yeah. Anyway, with the name now chosen, there was still, however, a big obstacle left in terms of breaking through the U.S.'s barriers. The issue of its content. While the ESRB, please look up that trilogy of episodes, and its initiative had only been in effect for less than uh, two years now, it doesn't mean studios still didn't have cold feet when it came to portraying on-screen violence. See, over in Japan, they didn't have a pesky rating system to worry about yet. Although across the pond here, the aftershock of Mortal Kombat and Doom were still leaving parents and politicians pretty flustered. Like the dorks they are. So company Capcom decided that the best course of action to avoid a similar controversy would be to just nip it in the bud before it even happened. They especially didn't want Sony to be upset this early in their newer relationship. This meant several considerable changes for the international PlayStation release over the Japanese original, primarily in that opening movie. Remember when I mentioned the color thing before? Yeah. Yeah, it's a European and North American market's got a black and white cut of it as opposed to the original one being in color. This was maybe to mask a bit of the blood and gore featured, I guess. Uh, Not only that, but there was still tons of other heavier edits in it as well. They replaced shots of mangled corpses with newspaper clippings, removed scenes of disembodied limbs, the part where they have Cerberus, zombie dogs killed Joseph is gone, along with one of the monsters getting shot after. Even the first major scare sequence ended up on the chopping block, like that that famous scene where it it cuts to the video and the zombies eating the guy's head and the head drops. That wasn't there in our version here. I'm curious if you guys remember this, because normally it it cuts to like a CG scene. I think it's uh, the one colleague, uh, Kenneth, who dies. Sorry, I'm trying to retrace my... But in the Japanese version, the, the zombie drops the person's bloody head and it like rolls on the floor. Like yeah. this was entirely cut out. Uh, That's interesting. However, this is my favorite. There was one other altered moment that was so fucked up. I'm amazed any country could have ever handled it. <laughs> it was when character Chris Redfield was shown briefly smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. A what? <laughs> Wait, wasn't Wait, Metal Gear out like? Or out or about no, to come out? No, that came out. out in 98. Okay. So it only took two years before we, we went... cool with sags again? We went from hating cigarettes in a scene to fully having them as an item you yeah, can actively use. Yeah, that, I think it like mechanically had a purpose in that game. <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, it lowered your health, yeah. which maybe that's why yeah, we so thought it was... Like, see, see the lasers. lasers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite that's all these tweaks, though... <laughs> it's true. Despite all these tweaks, though, the game was ultimately still released on the PlayStation as one of the first games ever to receive the mature rating from the ESRB. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was all for naught. I don't know. Just ironic to me when you consider how much of their zero uh, ratings group would kind of crack down on things like this years later. Now giving only us bloodthirsty Americans with the uncensored versions of Residue Enjoy. Yeah, now, it kind of flip-flops. Yeah, like it flip-flops severely because now Resident Evil 2, the remake, is like very edited over there as opposed to here when they're like pulling faces apart and shit. Nice. Yeah, so with that, our game is just about ready to go gold when one last thing gets brought to the attention of the studio regarding its uh, North American release, I mean, and that's 
rentals. In the mid-90s, we absolutely loved renting games and movies here in the U.S. of A. Now, obviously, these businesses existed all over the world, but they wouldn't catch on everywhere to the degree that they did here. So Capcom, they had a solution. McCammy noted that at the request of the American staff, that the American edition be made harder just so the title couldn't be rented and completed in a few days. Oh. <laughs> the, guy, the guy even later stated that this version proved itself to be fairly difficult for their own dev team, who had to play the game very carefully in order to complete it. The auto-aiming function was completely disabled, and the number of ink ribbons found by the player for saving were greatly introduced. Wait, there was auto-aim in that game? In the Yeah, in, in the it. Japanese, yeah. They really wanted to do everything they could to keep us English speakers from blasting through it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. But with, uh, with all our bows now on top, the groundbreaking title was finally ready to ship. Our director, he was nervous, stating he was worried how well a hard game would really perform. Even producer Fujiwara said the game was originally just targeted towards a core audience and only expected to sell around 200,000 copies. Neither them, nor the team, nor Capcom ever thought it would go on to sell the way it did. And boy did it ever. But before we get into the numbers, I have to ask, what was your guys' experience with the Resident Evil 1? Not the remake just yet, but did either of you guys play it back in 96? Were you aware of it or the culture kind of no. around it? No. No? I, told you, I, I think I said this in the PlayStation episode. Oh, maybe. I didn't play any of the adult games for the PlayStation. I played Spyro and Crash and stuff. <laughs> um, I never played the original Metal Gear until way later, and the same with the original Resident Evil. I played yeah. Final Fantasy, Metal Gear, all Crash and all that shit, but I never played Metal Gear. Or no, no. sorry, I never played Resident Evil. You referenced uh, Dino Crisis, I think, at one point. Did yes, you... I have played Dino that's Crisis. So that's the same guy. He, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it feels exactly the same, it does, just dinosaurs. But it's got dinosaurs in it. <laughs> and arguably, like, same, what, a couple of years later, or a year or two later, yeah, 97 or far. something? I'm past this. So, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of if I act there's no way I didn't know about it maybe I didn't or mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure I'm really not sure I might have just come a little bit like later enough to where it was already gone and I wasn't picking right, it up an yeah. old game or something like that you know I know you kind of give your opinion earlier on hard games but I was curious if did you ever dabble in like Silent Hill or Fatal Frame or? I've never played a Silent Hill yeah. I did play one Fatal Frame but I didn't play very yeah. much of it because it's fucking scary it is I scary. should also <laughs> say that like with the exception of the new wave of horror like I've played Amnesia yeah. and stuff like that never played a horror game other than Resident Evil in my life I've never no, seen one that's not second that's not true Wait, what? Because there's one very specifically that I'm going to reference later that, Minecraft. You, that you love. Minecraft is a horror <laughs> game. All right, well, we'll get there then. Okay. I'm talking about, like, I've never seen or played a second of Silent Hill. Okay. I've never seen or played a second of... Oh, are you going to talk about P.T.? No, okay, but that is. I've played PT, yo, PT's a masterpiece. I, I do. But, I think I do reference PT later, but I, I'm talking. I was talking specifically about Dead Space. Never. Oh yeah, uh, I've never. Played, I know that's sci-fi action, but it's yeah. that game's still terrifying. The first terrifying. Dead Space is scary. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. They I get mean, like progressively less. I know what you mean. I, you're you're Dino thinking Christ. strictly horror. Like is those... Dino Crisis horror. I never played that. Totally. Also, yeah. yeah. I, I would say it's like it's light though. It's light. Yeah. Games that tend to lean on the sci-fi element are a little bit easier for me. Like I don't like the gore like scary lighting kind of tension building like granted Dead Space the first one definitely does build tension in a lot oh, of that's spots that's got some crazy and, lighting in yeah. that and I played Alien Isolation which I guess that could be considered terrifying. a horror game, game. Yeah. but 
I love Alien and I love sci-fi and that I love sci-fi that'll too. trump the fucking yeah. you know scary every time I think it, by putting a sci-fi tint to it the pace tends to get sped up a little bit more of a uh, yeah, lot of stuff okay. like, like they're a little less like brooding and, and nature yeah. maybe I don't know I never played Silent Hill never played Fatal Frame and never played Alone in the Dark I played the remake of Alone in the Dark <laughs> That was a I bad rem- game. I remember that game. I yeah. played Silent Hills. I never PT. played a Silent Hill, yeah. but I've seen them. Yeah, I played Evil Within. PT is phenomenal. E- Evil Within is okay. Wake, I that, did, that will a, come that up. That a horror game? That's I, more of a thriller, yeah. but uh, yeah. Okay, here this sentence will show how not okay I am with horror games. It took me three years to beat Bioshock 1 because I was too scared. That's a scary game at times. That is actually... It, that game's got classical horror yeah. like lighting, and I guess splicers are kind of like... Until you There's really get in that. until like, you really yeah, get into like, the story, <laughs> splicers are essentially zombies. You know yeah, what I mean? I, it is interesting to see the when you think about how aesthetically different Infinite is and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, horror eventually. I think after this generation that we're like talking about the PS One and, yeah. and PS Two. I guess those two generations. Horror became more set dressing for games. Like you still have, but now you have a resurgence of different kinds of horror titles. Like. A lot of hard titles stripped away combat to focus more on becoming like merging walking a simulator with horror. Yeah. And I think some of those are much better than others. I'm not particularly a no. fan of Amnesia Res- or Outlast. That's why Resident um, Evil Seven I think is Slender so sucks. good. Yeah, Resident Evil Seven. Because fucking Resident awesome. Evil Seven takes some of the stuff that PT was trying. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the stuff from things like Amnesia and like Slender but puts it all into a very RE1 framework. Like yes. the puzzles yeah. and the inventory stuff is all very RE1. Familiarizing yourself yeah. with where you are. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, like I find, other than PT, which is its own crazy obtuse thing, like yeah. I think that's one of the best pieces of like horror fiction. But like I traditionally like horror games that still have combat as an option, like Alien Isolation and like most recently like the Blair Witch game and stuff like that because they're less stealth games and more survival games. Like yeah. I, like when things like Amnesia and Outlast got big, we lost the and like Layers of Fear and stuff like that. We lost the ability to like respond to situations and that's yeah. what I find scary. That's the thing. You yeah, know? So like, I'd be able to just sneak past it with tension. Like yeah, well, could, to me, like that people broke disagree it on me. me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but to me, Amnesia because I played it is like it's not a scary game. It's a stealth game. You just mm-hmm. like at some point I got frustrated with Amnesia and just started walking around and the when I got caught I was like, all right, kill me and let me respawn and try it again. Exactly. You eventually. <laughs> Actually, you feel game, defeated, yeah. and you're just yeah. like, all right, now I see well, the mechanics do work. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, whereas Resident Evil, there's no, there's no real sneaking around in that first game. It's just you have to go down this hallway. Yeah. You have to face <laughs> yeah, whatever's yeah. coming. You know? Exactly, yeah. You I, have to approach things head on. I played the RE2 remake, and then a liquor jumped out of the wall, and I was like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And juggling your supplies is a huge part of, yeah. I think, what makes things like Resident Evil that and Silent Hill like, I'm going to try not counting yeah, your bullets and yeah, stuff. Yeah, even yeah. like even from a shooting game perspective like Resident Evil is just like in Halo I'm just like die and just like holding the <laughs> yeah, trigger you'll on the assault rifle. Yeah, you drop a gun and pick up another one. Yeah, yeah you're like, just like whatever <laughs> the final take a plasma pistol and just start killing stuff and then yeah. in Resident Evil you're like, well, if I don't get a headshot, then that's one less bullet I can use yeah. later. Yeah. Like, How many times in Dead Space did you reload your gun before you realized you were just burning through your ammo? <laughs> oh, a lot. Yeah, I did too. A lot. <laughs> to go back to earlier when you're talking about Ravenholm, there's a part in Gears 4. Yeah. That's pretty scary. That's really cool. Yeah. Remember that part? Yeah, I do. Where you go to like the haunted town and like you could you have to stay. 
there's like some of the lights in the town are on and they're like little spotlights and you have to run in between them because if not the crows will <laughs> yeah, get you. Yeah, it relies on games to have to get creative. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's funny because like I think Soma is an incredible fucking game mm-hmm. and the monsters are the worst part. People literally modded the game to, yeah, that's yeah. how I played so I know because the story's incredible yeah. and like and the setting is and creepy it still and scary. it's still scary because yeah. it's thematically terrifying. Like what makes that game scary isn't like I gotta memorize this AI's walking routine to get by them. That's yeah. not fucking scary. Yeah. What's fucking scary are the amplifications of con of like what consciousness means and like losing your humanity and so like, like that's fucking scary. Like yeah. you know, so it's I don't like this trend and it's also become like combat is hard to program. Like, it's cheaper to make a game where you don't, that has less mechanics. And I'm not trying to, like, pick on small studios for approaching the topic of horror, but it's sad that I think during the PS1 and PS2 generation, it was a much more represented genre than it is now. And that, you know, maybe because horror games became action games. Like, that's because I think. Combat with zombies is actually very easy to do. Oh, uh, yeah. Because the AI for zombies is literally just like, get them. <laughs> no yeah, matter what, yeah. run Just and walk. get them. And, and I yeah. understand that like action horror titles eventually leaned too hard into in action. You saw it later with Resi, but like I was a big fan of... Um, That's six, right? The one where it's just like basically just a battle. <laughs> it's an anime, one. essentially, yeah. yeah. I liked Fear and Condemned a lot. I liked I those games a lot. Fear. Yeah. And those games eventually did the same thing. Like, by the time you got to Fear 3 and Dead Space 3, they were just full-blown action games. Yeah, Dead Space you know, 3 like, is, a, is a, just a big sci-fi action yeah, game. Yeah, which is yep. fine, but, like, I missed that atmosphere. I missed that tension, you know? Like, Condemned is a fucking creepy game. Like, you know, it's... But once you start giving the player more and more... Like, it's a fi- It's a hard balance. Yeah. You have to give players a certain amount of freedom, but not too much. Like... Programming horror, it's never been more difficult to make people scared. And that that goes for movies and stuff as well. Like, you know, it's... So, yeah, it did not take long at all for Resident Evil to be a bestseller in Japan, the UK, and North America. No. The first title, or that first release, I should say, alone, was said to have sold around 2.75 million, not only making it the top-selling PlayStation title at the time, but also the third best-reviewed game of the year, only behind the historic Super Mario 64 and heavily anticipated sequel Tekken 2. It currently sits at a 91 on Metacritic while also receiving many Game of the Year acknowledgements, mostly all runner-ups because of Mario. I totally get it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a rough year to put out <laughs> that a game. Is, yeah. It's like the most revolutionary, amazing 3D platformer of all Listen, time. Listen, I love Resident <laughs> Evil, but Mario fucking 64. But Outlet still applauded the gripping pace, its creepy atmosphere, the mixture of combat and puzzles, the realism of its graphics and sound for the time, the option of a character selection, even its high replayability. Honestly, the only major criticisms looking past at these older like reviews were mostly due to its terrible fucking dialogue and voice yeah. acting. You think people would have been more divisive over the tank control scheme as well, but for the era, it made sense. But anyway... Capcom couldn't just sit back and let all that success just lie there and go to waste. We had to remake the game 8,000 times. 
The people were bloodthirsty for Resident Evil, especially those that were uh, lame and didn't have a PlayStation, like me. So, let's get ports in. Windows was first, only hitting a year later. Seemed easy enough. They even added support for 3D accelerator cards as well, allowing uh, for much sharper graphics than its console counterpart. Remember those? Yeah. Pl- 3D accelerator cards. <laughs> Plus, this version actually featured the uncensored footage from the Japanese version as well, with the intro being in full color rather than with the black and white. cigarettes in it? The cigarette is in it. Whoa. <laughs> I guess there just wasn't really as much pressure on PC titles back then when you consider the size of the audience. Mortal Kombat and Night Trap weren't on computer or PC after all, so, yeah. you know. But yeah, they also added some new unlockable weapons and alternate costumes as well as the inclusion of uh, optionally skipping door animations. <laughs> Interestingly, the... Yeah, we can do it faster on the computer, yeah. so... <laughs> I didn't know this, by the way. This version was also developed by Westwood Studios, famous yeah. for their work on the Command & Conquer series, which nice. I also loved. Uh, also big fans of FMV. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many actors. Like James Earl Jones and like Tim yeah. Curry are in there. What's his name? The um, fucking... Uh, I think J.K. Simmons is in one. Not J.K. Simmons. It's another... George Takei. White, bald guy. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of white, bald guys. Michael this, Ironside? Uh, this port- yes, oh, yeah, it was so. Michael Ironside. Yeah. Voice of Sam Voice of Fisher. Sam Fisher. Yeah. yeah in publishing that port in North America and Europe. So what about PlayStation's direct competitors, though? Well, at TGS 97, Capcom would officially reveal a version of Resident Evil for the Sega Saturn. Remember from Chris's episode, the Saturn was still kind of big in Japan as opposed to here. Yeah, very big. Yeah. However, according to Akio Sakai, the company's head of consumer software division, Capcom was initially sort of hesitant to port RE to the platform as the hardware wasn't not as ideally suited to the title as the PlayStation's was. Uh, this meant the port was going to take some time. Also, much of this unveiling was mostly overshadowed by the fact that Capcom was already showing a demo for the unnamed sequel on the PlayStation at the same event. Um, Unnamed? Yeah, I know. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, they really know. Yeah. with Resident <laughs> Evil 2. <laughs> but that Saturn version did eventually still come out and had its own platform-exclusive features as well. Although, speaking of RE2 and its high fan anticipation as well as fan frustration over its very publicized delay, our guys on the Resi team cracked an idea to hold folks over. Launch a director's cut off the best-selling first game and package it with a pre-release demo for two. This time, with all the, bluts and gut, the blood and guts, the bluck and guts, intact... It'd be a perfect way to keep the train and running. And this time, a whole pack right? of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one. A big, <laughs> fat one. cigar. Well, this version would release only a year and a half after the original in September of 97. Sorry, I think I might have forgotten that before, but that first release was just in March of 1996. So yeah, this was a pretty quick turnaround and fairly uncommon in the industry to do something like this. Uh, although I got to say, it definitely proved successful with this edition achieving almost as much in sales again as the first, likely, d- likely due to its uncensored label. Oh, probably, yeah. The only problem was it wasn't uncensored at all. Despite the title being marketed as featuring the original unedited footage from the Japanese release, the FMV sequences were still fucking cut up. Capcom claimed the omission was a result of a localization mistake made by the developers, so their solution was to just offer the real intro as a free download from their website. They even had to change the box art right before it hit the shelves so it would have 
accurately match the description. Jeez. I had a friend who fell for this back in the day. That's why I had to put it in there. That's funny. Yeah. Regardless, this version was still well enjoyed. They brought back the auto aim feature that was initially removed, added a beginner mode along with a new rearranged build of the campaign for those that were already so familiar with it. Kind of cool. But let's fast forward another year to when RE2 was now out and bringing Resident Evil Fever back into the mainstream again. And what do you say we try another issue of one though? <laughs> this time for all those sequel fans who were enjoying the PlayStation's new controller. Naturally, this last release of oh, yeah, the DualShock one version. on the system would be called Resident Evil Director's Cut DualShock Edition, utilizing all the paddles, new feature like Rumble, and it's now famous Twin Sticks. This third version was still edited, of course, but it did now... Another localization mistake, yeah, whoops, sorry. <laughs> but it did now at least host an entire new soundtrack hosted by composer Mamaru Samaraguchi, a man who falsely claimed to be deaf for most of his career. And... <laughs> Including when, <laughs> including when this was recorded, I believe before he was exposed, the media was dubbing him as the digital Beethoven. Oh, God. <laughs> there was a documentary made about this man to celebrate him, and then he apparently botched a bunch of performances and interviews where they had people yeah. speaking signs. So, so you're deaf, right? What? Damn it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> No, at one point they were at his house and he responded to the doorbell ringing and that was like the... That's great. What? <laughs> it's like he just, they exposed him in the middle of the documentary or no, something? No, no, they finished the documentary but there was like a later interview where they were at his place and then like the doorbell rang and he like responded to it and the people were uh, like, <laughs> like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Did you feel that? Like, what? <laughs> Oh, that's wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what um, an idiot. Yeah. But anyway, that's three games of the same game in three years, which is kind of nuts. Or at least it was until the past couple of years, I guess. That, now we do that, that all the time. That's the last time that they ever released that game again, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wish. <laughs> So we got our PC and a couple of home console versions now out, except what if you wanted to play Resi on the go? Well, in 1998, Capcom would actually begin work with company HotGen on a Game Boy Color release set to be out in late 99 or early 2000-ish. It was supposed to be anyway, but then the higher-ups decided to unfortunately cancel the project, citing that the port was of a poor quality due to the system's limited hardware. No yeah, how, how the fuck were you that supposed <laughs> They're like, they're still like 10 years <laughs> off of that, like, tech being available. Why were they right trying that? But here's the thing, though. I watched videos of that, like, being played. Holy shit, like, this probably would have been the most ambitious release ever for that handheld. Huh. It's goddamn nuts. Most Game Boy counterparts of popular console games are usually just like the most watered down or stripped thing ever to the point of just being a completely separate thing. This version was going to contain every single room, weapon, cutscene, subtitle, and just about all the items and <laughs> notes that were present in the original PlayStation game. I thought it would have was just Sweet Home ported. <laughs> <laughs> that would have fit it way better. But honestly, like it was probably all just too much work for them to go through with completing it, but it's interesting to see what could have been there. As somebody who didn't own their own PlayStation at the time, but did have a Game Boy Color, I would have killed for this to come. Yeah. This is like the actual game. Yeah. I'm watching it right now. It's like, fucking wild. Look at this. It's insane. It's That's like on a f 
goddamn Game Boy Color. It's like the, yeah. even the frames of animation on your character, you're moving in front of the yeah. backgrounds, the color background. Like yeah, it, I guess technically all you'd have to do really is do that. Just tone it down a whole bunch. I know, but that's the thing. I got to the point where they're like, this game's way too long like to do this shit, but it was fucking kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I bet I, you somebody could do it now in a couple of days or a but week like, or something. I, like, I would have fucking lost it if that happened. Because I had to go over to my friend's house and like play in his dark basement by ourselves and then in the middle of it. Like, I would have loved to have my own like version that I could play by myself yeah. even though I really playing it together was probably him exposing me this was the only way I would have ever yeah. been into it because I was a scared little kid and he had access to stuff I didn't have access to oh I'll watch hard but, games all day long <laughs> yeah but alright, so years go by, the versions that did hit the shelves are continuing to sell like hotcakes. We're probably at around 6 million copies Time out. have or you so? ever bought a hotcake in your entire life? What is I a bought hot one cake? not even a week ago. What? Where? That's a pancake, dude. <laughs> oh, you're talking about like McDonald's calls their pancakes hotcakes? Yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fuck the up. other day I was at your house and I was very hungry. So like they sell like, alright... Like and that's was, like hotcakes. And I left at three in the morning, and the Somebody only place that pancakes? was open was McDonald's. At three in the morning? Yeah, yeah they're open twenty four seven by my and house. And they have a limited menu, but oh, it's, yeah, after three. One, it's all the breakfast that shit one and then like quarter the, pounders. Uh, I used to work near there at that shop right overnight, and kids would order like hundred piece nuggets at two thirty oh in the morning. We did that when they had the fifty piece nugget box. Yeah, we were hanging at a friend of ours' place, and we went there and we ordered like three of them, and you just hear in the back of the kitchen like fuck, and you're like. They're- <laughs> the worst promotion for those poor employees. But we're uh, six million copies at this point in our timeline. The series also went on to find even more success with entries like 2, 3 Nemesis, and Code Veronica. I think Code Veronica was Dreamcast. They released it as Code Veronica X, I think, later for GameCube GameCube and PS2. I remember seeing that on the shelves at Blockbuster. Yeah. But speaking of GameCube, in 2002, something fucking awesome happened. The top-to-bottom RE make for the Nintendo GameCube was released. Is that, that just for GameCube? That purple lunchbox. It was exclusive to the GameCube for over 10 years. That's right. why. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't on uh, the good consoles then. It wasn't on the bad consoles, no. <laughs> As part of an, this was a part of an exclusivity agreement between Capcom and the Big N that would span three new games. Not to be confused with the Capcom 5, if anybody How remembers that. How much money would you initiative? pay for a GameCube that played tapes? <laughs> <laughs> More than now you're think. just picking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did any of you guys recall the Capcom Five? I was excited about Is it. Is that at the time. Beautiful Joe Okami? No, it was not Okami, but it was Beautiful Joe. It's one. Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. No, that was, that was Sega. Sega. It was. <laughs> what is this like a compilation? It no, it was like or, it was Cap- like a deal of exclusives made by Capcom for the GameCube. Oh, yeah. okay. So they had Beautiful Joe, which later I think came to the PS2. They had Killer Seven, which Killer yeah, also came to the PS2. I love Killer Seven. They had Resident Evil Four, which eventually also did come out on other stuff. That was the big one, and then they also had a game called Dead Phoenix that was canceled. It was like a Sin and Punishment style game, hmm. and then they had a. Did, did anybody ever play PNO3? It was a sci-fi... PNO3? PNO3. Yeah. It was a sci-fi action-fighting dance game. I get that, that game confused. That stayed exclusive to the GameCube. I that get, was there. Don't, I don't know why, but I get that game confused in my head a lot with Parasite Eve. 
There's a lot of Im- I Japanese imagery. I think it's just because they both, they're both anime as fuck and they begin with the letter P. They are. <laughs> Parasite Eve was about people that were spontaneously combusting. Yeah, it was. It was an RPG at an opera yeah, house wild. or something. Then, yeah, that game's crazy. Which one's the third birthday? That's Parasite Eve 3, right? Yeah, they made a sequel, but it was only for PSP or yeah. Vita or something. Yeah, I never got to play it. Wait, what were the Capcom 3 then? I think those were like, they directly ported Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica oh, okay. to GameCube, I think. So, the Capcom 8. <laughs> anyway, yeah, remake. For whatever reason, this publisher seemed to be the only company super dedicated into re-exploring older titles this way. I guess now, technically, you have the Final Fantasy VII remake going on yeah, right now. Yeah, Square also. Whenever the hell that thing's actually going to come out. like or March. <laughs> yeah, next right. March 2020. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever it's going to be anyway. Do we know that it's even the full game yet? It's reviewed well, and no, it's not it's the not full the game. It's not the full game, but the box does say Final Fantasy VII remake, no part one or anything. That's what so. I'm saying. Yeah, but it's only up to, I believe, the end of the I think first I s- disc yeah, or around that. Like, it's at the end of Midgard. I said okay. this. Yeah, so that's not the even, first fucking area. Not even the first not disc. Not even the first yeah. disc. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I think I said this in our E3 episode. was like, what if you never played? Because I know a lot of people that played the RE remake which and never played the original. Yeah. What if you never played Final Fantasy VII all the way through on the PlayStation? They're going to add more sexism you go to-, <laughs> to extend the time. <laughs> no cross-dressing. <laughs> And, but it's like, what if you bought this game and it just fucking cuts off? And you're like, what? Like, where in the box does it say? Like, whatever. But it's going to be like a 40 hour game, dude. Yeah. You know, all those times when you go between pre rendered backgrounds, they're going to add like an hour of gameplay in between each screen. Where you just walk through those rendered backgrounds, <laughs> fully rendered. <laughs> but this project was nuts because they pretty much built a whole new game from the ground up, except it would be faithful in gameplay and tell the same story. They, of course, redid all the visuals and sound to take advantage of the new hardware. They added tons of new elements and environments, including areas beyond the mansion that had to be cut from the original game. Yeah, it was like the when they did Link's Awakening DX and they added the color. Dungeon. The color dungeon? Yeah. Like that. I hear that's in the new release as well. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I'm not paying $60 for a Game Boy game from the t- before the year 2000. <laughs> but what if it had frame rate drops? <laughs> in listening? <laughs> talk about double buffered V-Sync. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there were also extra modes and difficulties in here as well. The puzzles were even completely modified so that veteran players wouldn't already know all the answers to everything. For better or for worse, all the old voice acting was gone to make way for the newer and less cheesy, but still kind of cheesy, performances. The result was seriously lightning striking twice, doing the impossible not only remaking the a classic... But doing such a good job that your new vision becomes just as celebrated as the old one. They even shared the exact same Metacritic score. It's great. Now, I personally love this reimagining, probably even more than the original. It's gorgeous, genuinely scary, just so much more realized, too. I don't even care yeah. if it was just meant for the team to get familiarized with the console so that, that Zero is, could come out that same year. That but, remake is good. Yeah. I know uh, we played through it, was it last year or the year before? Yeah. So you could see it? It's The gameplay is a little antiquated. Yeah. But, but it's an antiquated console, so... Yeah. No, well, we played through it when the, re- gotta, the remake got you remastered. You have to make your controls half-baked when your console has a handle on it. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a reference to that you'd have to bake the console? Every, I don't know. Every console should have a handle on it. <laughs> No. <laughs> but this was a masterpiece no. of its time. Uh. But honestly, this was probably tied with my favorite remake ever, with maybe Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes and the series' own Resident Evil 2 just this year, like, to be tied with it. Like, yeah, that RE2 remake is phenomenal. Yeah. Everybody listening, go play it if you haven't. Make it your spooky game. <laughs> Me and I was talking about this before, though, uh, how there are 
straight up ports, HD remasters, and then like full scale things like this. I really wish yeah. more games and from then, that era would get this kind of treatment. And then sometimes they port the PC version of RE4 to the Xbox One, and it doesn't have subtitles. Yeah. Sometimes they port the sometimes they port the PC because version of Jedi Outcast for the Switch and forget to put auto aim on a console that has the worst joysticks ever. Jeez. <laughs> Shut up and play Tetris 99. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you can't even play Jedi Outcast on Switch. You can't invert the look because it's a port of the PC version where you can't do that. I mean, you should be able to invert the look on a mouse even, but whatever. Bad game. You keep on flying Ooh, planes. That is rough. That's not a bad game. That game rules in 2002. Sure. But anyway, the RE make would shatter critical and fan expectations, but not so much the commercial goals, which is why they would just reissue that one, two, in the spirit of the first <laughs> game, right? Yeah. Uh, they ported it to the Wii in 2008 if you wanted to, the, to control the game like an idiot, and then again, <laughs> except this time, to more competent high-definition platforms in 2015 for the PS3, like the Wii U. PS4, yeah. oh. Xbox 360, Xbox One, PC, not Wii U, and they even updated the controversial tank controls, allowing the user to switch between that in a more modern play style. That's, that's, the, one, that's the one we played. Yeah. I think tank controls are fine. They don't bug, bug, bug I me. No, they don't really bug playing, me either. Retro now, when I was playing that, we were playing it with a group of people and passing the controller back and forth. I really wanted to switch. To, I think the tank controls probably work better for that than the, the fixed modern camera. One, yeah. The modern ones, yeah. yeah. Doesn't uh, Until Dawn kind of have... Tank controls, yeah. Yeah, so that, that worked. That's modern. But what do you uh, say we still talk about one more version of Resident Evil? We still Is this the carnival game version? <laughs> we still didn't have the game on the go yet. It's bullshit. That's I, th why I in, thought you skipped this one. That's I was about why to bring in it up. 2006, for the landmark title's 10th official anniversary, a handheld port would be developed for the Nintendo DS, it being called Deadly Silence. Okay? Uh, you get it? Deadly DS. Silence, DS. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They did it with a bunch of games back then, like Advance Wars Dual Strike and uh, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow. You saw that a lot. There was a Full Metal Alchemist game I bought for DS that had DS Dual Sympathies. <laughs> That's Something stupid. Like that. <laughs> and then you also have like Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. That's 3Ds because it's on 3DS. Curse mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just falls out of his chair. Just um, explode. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this version would commemorate the PlayStation game with a classic version, while a new Rebirth mode would take advantage of the DS's specific features like touchscreen sequences and even moments where you would have to blow into the system's microphone. Those are whatever, but Resident Evil is still not yet uncensored. They fucking did the same thing with the intro again. I, that was the first version I played. That had the black and white opener on Deadly the tiny Silence. Screen. I borrowed Deadly Silence from somebody, or like I was at their house and they let me play it, and then I went to buy it, but it was like, I think this was like 2008, so the game was out of print. Yeah, that's how it was hard to find. DS games that go out of print end up costing triple. Hey, so it was like a fifty dollar game side, at that point. Side so. note: You remember when they made Resident Evil Revelations on 3DS and they spelled the game wrong on the box? Yeah, I have that box. Yeah, the misprint one, Reveliatons. Reveliatons. Yeah, that's great. I have that one. But there it was. Resident Evil was finally there, available for those not wanting to use a TV. Was... And I'm gonna put it on my phone. 
I don't know. It's a good question. But yeah, I played through that whole game. It was fun. Controlled fine. Each mode made use of the dual screens by showing your map, which was very nice. They even added a co-op thing that eh, could have been better, but you know. But that's more or less the story of the world's venture into the universe of Resident Evil. Obviously, there are loads of entries that I could personally talk about forever. The GameCube remake could be its own episode for me. Of course, after the series' initial run as adventure games, it would see another resurgence as more modern action titles, starting with the release of 4, all the way through 6, and the two Revelations games. I almost said Revelations. Many still call 4 the best of the franchise, and even one of the top games of all time. Many would be wrong. While I do love 4, and even the bombastic dumbness of 6, I will always be married to the idea of mixing true horror with puzzle solving. That being said, Resident Evil throughout the decades would see all kinds of responses with its releases, both positive and negative. There were light gun games, multiplayer offshoots, even a non-canon side story. But the saga still needed a much-needed nap. This decision would later prove to be the best possible outcome for the series when it returned again this current generation with the fucking most dopest entries yet. In 2017, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, or as we said earlier, Biohazard 7 Resident Evil, would finally go back to its roots. Biohazard 7 Biohazard. (laughs) Resident Evil 7 Resident Evil. (laughs) This would prioritize frightening scares and gruesome imagery, immersive storytelling, interesting puzzle solving, environmental familiarity, old school item management, and just intense overall survival. All while in the first person perspective that the team had always dreamed of. It even offered the option of playing its little terrifying campaign in virtual reality for the PlayStation VR, adding a whole new level of dimension for those brave enough to seek it. Oh, fuck that, dude. I love it. Have, have you done... Yeah, I wanted oh, to come God. over and just try it a yeah, little bit, you should. but I'm There's still a fucking demo. scared. There's a part in the game I remember, like, if I didn't have people around me, I would have called it quits, because the game also has binaural audio, so you can yeah. hear things all around the house. And there's a part in the game when you're, um, there's a basement, and the basement is blocked off by a, um, like a metal grate door. Yeah. And if you're playing it not in VR... It's just a, a wall, like, essentially. It's, you know, you can't get past it. But if you're playing it in VR, you can stick your head through the bars and then lean and look down into the dark basement. And you hear, like, something, like, moaning in the basement. There. And I was just like, <sighs> fuck. And, like, and you feel like people are coming up behind you while you're peeking your head through these bars. It's just, it's fucking. It's freaky. Holy shit. But like I said earlier, it's it's sold well enough at over 6 million copies and went on to be nominated for several Game of the Year awards for everything from direction to sound to technical recognition. Do we know if anybody from the classic had anything to do with it? Like any sort of There dream, were some people, yeah, that stayed over. Yeah, I'll get into their staff. It, but this, Shinji Mikami left to yes, form Tango, Tango and made works. Evil Within. One and two. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I will get into as well. But no, this was like... At least people were really into high production of it, the brand new engine, and its VR inclusion. Like, that was very much celebrated in those spaces to, like, acknowledge the top games of that year, which was really rad. Sorry, I know this episode is more about RE1, but 7 just made it feel like the way I felt playing 1 as a kid again. It's kind of full circle, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It just felt so pure to me. I can see why so many people compare it to that first game in so many ways, like Austin said. Yeah. Now, riding high from that release and not wanting that magnificent RE engine to go to waste, Capcom fired another hit out just two years later with a, another full remake, 
as we brought up earlier, this time of the beloved Resident Evil 2, which was also on the PlayStation. This one back in 1998. I won't spend too long on this one, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't at least bring it up, as it still is currently the most highest rated title of this year. And it's really killer. Everybody should play it, whether you experience the original release or not. It is a little safe. They ditched the first person format to have two play more like four, but it feels fucking great. It looks fantastic. The puzzles and scares are all there too. It's super fun. But with the series being back in people's good graces again, I enjoyed six, but you know, come at me. As well as the sales charts. Oh well, later. It's nice to see this groundbreaking 1996 release continue to be honored in a new renaissance. However, before we go, let's just uh, one last time look back at that first game to see where it now lies in a 2019 reflection. For those looking to play it, and not the remake for whatever reason, it doesn't appear to be too difficult or expensive to find or emulate. A version of the director's cut does appear on the PlayStation Classic Micro yeah, Console. Yeah, like $5 now. Yeah, for those seeking that. Yeah, they're, they're really fire-selling that fucking uh, yeah. thing. Meanwhile, many outlets and sources still continue to this day to celebrate its legacy. Next Generation, Game Informer, Time & Magazine, and G4 all placed it on their lists of the greatest video games ever made, while also going on to call some of its scares some of the most memorable moments in the medium. They even credit it once again for coining the survival horror term used to describe titles of the nature. Retro Gamer also voted it in their top games as well, adding that the shock, surprises, and perfectly poor B-movie dialogue makes Resident Evil the gaming equivalent of a Night of the Living Dead. Very high praise for the man who wanted to take a whack at the Romero setting himself to begin with. Which, speaking of, where is our crew at, at these days? Well, most of the members would later go on to become a part of Capcom Production Studio 4, while Austin said director Shinji Mikami, uh, he went on to create loads of other awesome works before starting his own company. He worked on Devil May Cry, Phoenix Wright, Steel Battalion, Killer7, God Hand, Vanquish. And then in 2010, that's when he wanted to open his own, what is it, Tango, Tango Gameworks. Tango Gameworks. Yeah, he wanted to launch his own studio. They went on to make the two Evil Within games, which are all right, but they are also currently working on that Ghostwire Tokyo game, which looks real which cool. Which looks cool, yeah. yeah. Like, I've yeah. seeing that. I'm interested in seeing more of that a lot. Producer Fujiwara, unfortunately, has fallen off the map a little bit, with his last known works being Bionic Commando Rearmed and that Mad World game for Wii. Apparently, he did have to take a break from the industry due to health reasons, but I do believe he is feeling better and coming back to it again, which is cool. As far as I know, most of the other big names are still sticking to the series strong, but I do believe that is our story for today. Thank you guys so much for letting me get that all out. I know tons of it probably came off uh, as me fanboying out a bit, which is funny because there are plenty of bad Resident Evil games out there too, even the ones that I talked about today that I still love have problems. None of them are perfect. They're not Tetris. Wow. Okay. I, hell, I like Eternal Darkness probably even more than both versions of 1. I like Dead Space more than 4. I think RE7 and PT are kind of neck and neck to me. Not that they are directly comparable, but... And for those super into horror culture who I think can definitely relate to this, you really just never ever forget the feeling of the first time you were excited to be scared. It's fun and you never want to stop chasing it. It doesn't matter if it was by reading an old Goosebumps book or watching an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nick back in the day or just seeing some slasher flick on TV when you were likely far too young to be. Resident Evil for the Nightmare PlayStation. Uh, yeah? Me. Resident Evil on PlayStation was my initial push into wanting to go after the pursuit of what makes us afraid. I, I never stopped there. I, I, I love horror. I wish... I think most horror movies are bad. Most horror games are bad. But 
the ones that are good they really stick with you that's you know that's that's what i seek out like to me it's worth digging through to find the ones that connect with me and the people around me uh, well like I'll, I'll always have a spot in my heart for it but happy halloween it's only about your heart. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we had our screamer right there at the end. <laughs> well said randall good Thanks. good stuff yeah yeah thanks for letting me be a dork yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till I get to my Tetris episode when I get to talk about you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tetris was graded by uh, Joseph Stalin as a torture device for captured Americans during the Cold War. I've been doing research. That is not true. <laughs> Prove me wrong. I think I'll ever get my Tetris horror game. Do you yeah, are, it's there's called Tetris. A Hall- there's a Halloween theme for 99. You got it. I do have it already. There's this gut-wrenching scream every time you knock someone out. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> That's what I want a battle royale game to be. <laughs> Play us out. Think, on the this Moonlight is hot. Sonata. This was Halloween. If you guys like this sort of yeah. uh, monthly theme thing, you know, we're only gonna do it once a year. So you know, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any Thanksgiving games? <laughs> yeah, not um, nothing worth making a whole theme out of. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> what about uh, Christmas? Games. Uh, there's a couple of those. Are there? Are any of them good? No, probably no. not. <laughs> Elf Bowling, remember that? God. It's like the lowest rated game on IGN. Yeah, they, didn't they just, it was like that Flash game, but on fucking DS. Or yeah. The one you could play for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was fun to do this. Do yeah, a whole month of horror or spooky related in some slight way or the other video games. So that was cool. Yeah. And there's we'll nothing get back, spookier than football. And we'll get back to our regular scheduled mostly scheduled mostly still unnerving and spooky weird stories that are indistinguishable yeah, uh, I, we just had as to, the year like, continues. We just had to decide on these. There were other yeah. spooky scary stories yeah, we're we going didn't get back to. From ghosts and zombies to capitalism. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, this was a nice break from <laughs> from real fear. Yeah. yeah. I did, I explicitly said simulated fear. Except for that guy who was hunted down by the Yakuza. That's we pretty some scary. Plugs. Thanks for listening. Yeah. If this is your first episode, you can go to hotbuttoncast.com, find a bunch more. You can listen to our the three previous weeks, which were all Halloween, Hotween-related episodes. <laughs> we need Hotween shirts. Yeah. You can listen to all the rest of our episodes. We've mentioned a couple. We did a PlayStation episode. There's a Dreamcast episode. There's an episode on the ESRB. There's a whole bunch of them. A lot of those got referenced today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff. Check it all out. Yeah, yeah check it out. You can also follow Any us Any big on... hot coffee fans out there? If you go to our website, you can find where to subscribe to us. We have links to our iTunes and our Spotify and our Google Play. We're also on any other podcast service that you Wherever use. Wherever podcasts are found. Exactly. Open your window and shout um, into the wind. And also, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook at Hot Button Cast. Across um, all the social medias. Yeah. We'll and there's keep, probably more, but We'll who keep cares? you up to date there on all our latest episodes, and you can message us on there and tell us how scared you were. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so uh, hungry I could eat a chill sandwich. Yeah. And uh, with that, we're out. <laughs> okay. Master of a Watch out behind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, at the screaming now, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>